Hello and welcome to Cinephils Take 16. Uh, welcome, Rob. Uh, you um, you want to introduce these films for us? Yeah, it's been 16 of these things al- already. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, so uh, today I thought we would we could talk about uh, two films by Wong Kar Wai. Uh, the films are Chungking Express, 1994, and uh, Fallen Angels, 1995, also by Wong Kar Wai. Uh, the cinematographer for uh, both films uh, was uh, Christopher Doyle. And... Uh, Basically, these the reason I want to talk about these films uh, is because they're awesome. And well, I like them and they go together like uh, Wong Kar Wai shot uh, originally conceived of uh, Fallen Angels to be the third story of Chung King Express. Uh, But then it was just uh, basically it took so long to shoot Chung King Express um, that he decided instead of having a three hour movie, just to have uh, two two hour movies. Uh, so that's uh, the connection between the two or one of yeah. the connections. Yeah. And, and it is. I'm, I'm grateful you introduced this uh, to me. So I missed out on. Uh, on this, uh, surprisingly, because it came out while I was in grad school, I should have been seeing more, more of these sorts of movies then. Um, but um, yeah, I missed out uh, on it when it came to the theaters, and uh, I was happy to be able to uh, watch them. They are part of the Criterion Collection, um, and the um, there's there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in these films, which I'm happy to talk about with you and uh, um, maybe introduce our, our listeners to this this interesting work from the mid 90s yeah uh and they're also like they're shot in in or around the chung king mansions in uh, hong kong a bit of a setting for both movies uh so like they were shot in the mid 90s hong kong immediately before uh the british handover to uh uh, mainland China, which occurred in 1997. So Hong Kong at this time was a place of uh, trepidation. Like it was going through an existential crisis. Uh, nobody was sure what was going to happen uh, in 1997, uh, except most people thought uh, with some justification that it wouldn't be good. Uh, and then they're centered around the Chung King Mansions, which is this huge, huge apartment complex or multi-use, multi-purpose complex in uh, downtown Hong Kong. Uh, the Chung King Mansions uh, was built in uh, or completed in 1961, houses about 4,000 people um and is essentially five high-rise brutalist structures uh self all contain all self-contained uh joined by uh passageways like so all five of these uh complexes of these blocks share the first three main floors which is uh consists of markets and of various retail establishments and uh yeah it's uh, been compared to the Kowloon walled city which was also part of hong okay. kong 
back in the day. Right. Uh, and it's a it's a hive of uh, I don't want to quote Obi Wan Kenobi from A New Hope, but it's it has it's <laughs> has a similar vibe to Moss Eisley Spaceport. Um, there's okay. all sort all Again, sorts of stuff. Iniquity. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, I think, a crucial element uh, to both stories uh, that it's set here. Um, yeah. So that's uh, just a fun thing about it, I guess. Um, that, you say it's interesting to me. So I, I was in Hong Kong in 2005 and, and um you know, by then, um, I, I think it was, it's like what they did with Las Vegas, probably between, uh, you know, old Las Vegas and now the Disneyland version. Um, Hong Kong isn't quite, uh, quite as um, Blade Runner-esque as it appears in this, in this movie, in these movies, actually. Um, but he, I found it fascinating to look back at, at it. And I, I thought that his, first of all, um, and I don't know if you want to start with chunking, we may as well do it chronologically right absolutely yeah that would be the best way to do it i i think and yeah so uh chunking express uh 1994 two stories in this uh it's it itself it's like sort of an on what do you call that is that an omnibus film i guess uh like the stories are only tangentially related uh yeah, I, I mean it's, it's kind of an um an an anthology of sorts. Yes, yeah. Yeah. This is these are a, a place. It reminds me of um New York stories in that sense that you have these sort of three narratives tied together um by a loose string. Yeah, yeah. Uh and the first story of uh chunking is uh Cop uh, two three three. Uh, who basically is dumped by his girlfriend on his girlfriend's named May, and she dumps him on the first day of April, and he proceeds, right. or he proceeds to order or eat a whole bunch of pineapples, which is significant uh, for uh, fallen angels, um, right? And um, basically, ends up falling for a blonde criminal uh uh somebody associated with yeah well yes blondie we could call her blondie yes uh who's associated with uh the criminal underworld and uh that's the first part the first story and then the second story is uh tony leon uh young tony leon uh basically plays cop uh six three or six six three uh and he uh, essentially gets dumped by an airline stewardess who he's in love with and uh ends up falling for a woman named Faye uh at uh works at a market and then she and then it's about their relationship uh yeah so that's uh and the connection of course yeah. between the yeah no, that's okay. Go ahead. Um, the connection, of course, between these two stories is, well, they're both cops. This is all set in the same uh, area, the same geographic area. 
And uh, the closest and one character almost cut the cop from the first story, uh, Hiqui, almost touches Faye, who is uh, one of the main characters in the second story. He comes within uh, one one hundredth of a centimeter from her. Uh, and that's uh, what she says. And uh, yeah, that's the linking of the two stories. So it's neat. <laughs> it is neat. Yeah. So they're in these very loose orbits, these, these two um, relationships. And I found it, I found it an interesting reflection of a time. Um, and it's a theme that keeps coming up in movies I've been watching lately, actually. Um, I, I, I was watching with my class today, um, uh, the lives of others, um, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you've seen it. It's a German film, East, you know, yes, uh, yeah, it's, great. it's a wonderful uh, film. It's very touching. And, and, um, i I noticed some similarities. So that was made in, in about 2005, I think. Um, but, um, there is this theme of loneliness and alienation and the sense of, you know, uh, folks being close to each other in proximity and being somehow distant in every other way. Uh, and that, and that's, that's what I found most touching about these stories, uh, in Chunking Express, these two guys, both of whom have trouble connecting and, and the women too. Um, but mostly it seems to be focused on, um, on the guy's inabilities to connect um, in any um, lasting, meaningful way. Um, and I thought that was, it was interesting. This director does a lot to try to um, show us their sort of, um, not just their alienation, but their uh, desperation um, for connection. And also with the women that they're, uh, tr- they're you know, sort of getting involved in too. Um, I found that touching and, and still very pertinent uh, to our our lives now. You know, this is uh, mid-90s um, Hong Kong. There's no cell phones. There's not much in the way of computers. Um, but many of the same issues of, of a lack of connection, a lack of uh, ability to, even though everybody's very close um, approximately, right? Um, they're not able to... Uh, connect in a in an emotional uh, successful way right yeah that's a excellent observation and i found the same thing uh both going on in these movies and uh a lot of the films i watch that i've been watching recently and television series uh yeah, yeah. that's yeah like uh mike jones does this too while i think in some of his films uh, yeah notably her and um you know the eternal sunshine that notion that and again a sort of nostalgia for something that hasn't really happened which is interesting right Um, well there's a lot there right there Uh, (laughs) uh, like uh, which is like fun fact of like just speaking about the alienation and uh, the mood of these films like Hong Kong at the time at the time was sort of like well it was an enclave uh, isolated from the rest of mainland China, as well as Taiwan. Um, and it had a population of uh, just over 6 million people 
uh, crammed together yeah. in a very, very uh, geographic, uh, spatially limited area. Uh, which, yeah. And yet it was profound. Yet all of these people together and uh, the alienation they experience, uh, which is really uh, talent, which is really a crucial theme. Uh, I find in this, uh, I find also how it's interesting how there is a relate, these are mutually implicated elements, uh, all of the characters, right? Uh, they are who never quite touch yet, nonetheless, develop a serious bond with one another. Uh, I get that sounds really okay. Let's make that less abstract and just, uh, Simpler. Um, in the second story, uh, Faye and uh, Tony Leung's character, uh, Faye oh. Wong is the actor, is the actor's name, and Tony Leung is the uh, uh, cop uh, 633. Um, they fall in love with each other, uh, yet only rarely, only briefly, do they inhabit the same space at the same time. Yeah. You like Tony Leung, uh, cop 663, is falling in love with Faye after she's been in his apartment and he doesn't know that she he doesn't know it was her, but they're sharing an affect here, they're sharing some sort of emotional aura, uh, without directly interacting. They're they're their interactions are mediated specifically because of the apartment, which I think is just a wild notion uh, philosophically. Uh, I think that's a super cool thing that's going on in this uh, movie. Like, how do you overcome? How do you overcome alienation just by inhabiting the, sp the same space at perhaps different times? Mm hmm. And uh, I think that's and then how they both share nostalgia for, well, all of the characters have nostalgia for something that has not been realized. Right. Uh, you know, like, and I think that's amazing, you know. Like, yeah, it's fascinating. But and this yeah. is, I think, a common affliction, though. Oh, yeah. So, like, right. Yeah, this is the this is the thing. One of the things that sends us into these nostalgic funks is the way that we embellish our past uh the way that we uh create these stories about our past that somehow are um you know much they they have this sort of um veneer of um of greatness and and it's not really the case we've done that to ourselves and and you can see that i think that officer six six three is it um he has taken this it doesn't seem like a particularly meaningful relationship that he had had with the stewardess. She just, and she didn't sure, she sure didn't seem it, see it that way. He's no. hanging on to him. He can't let it go. And he mopes and, um, you know, he eats the same thing every day at the, at the, um, stand and where Faye ends up working and he's just kind of pathetic. And, and, and she, um, she's not, she's, she's light and airy. She, she, um, snaps him out of it by inhabiting that space as a sort of, um, as a sort of, uh, pixie fairy, uh, um, who does these sort of, um, um, 
things around his apartment that are kind of nice. Yeah, except when she floods it by accident. But oh, even, yeah, even but that, even the floors, fine. even then, the floors really needed a, a good cleaning. So, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, yes, uh, right. Uh, I do think that that first that uh, Tony Leung, uh, cop six six three, his relationship with the stewardess, his first relationship, that was that meant absolutely nothing to her. Uh, right. Like pointless for her. Yeah, and he can't get over it for what it seems like months. Yeah, like yeah, a really long time. Uh, right, uh, which was really quite interesting um to me and then of course there at the end when he does meet uh tony leon does bump into the stewardess that in the convenience store i think it's a circle k um and she gets on the motorcycle and uh drives away kind of laughing uh sneering almost at him uh that scene is echoed very strongly in uh fallen angels of course like yeah so i thought yeah like it was just cool it was just an amazing film um i also liked how what they did with uh throughout more so in chunking uh but also hinted at in fallen angels what they did uh the role of the stewardess right uh like the symbolic value of that like what what is uh, the stewardesses uh they are people who manage to escape they are people who transcend uh their facticity they get out uh they are the Clearly, they remove themselves from the Chungking mansions and uh, the monotony of their lives. And I find it interesting how a lot of the characters seem to be drawn towards that, which is, is again, like this uh, speaking towards the alienation that you mentioned, like all these characters are experiencing alienation and the stewardess or the figure of the stewardess is their way to escape their alienation by utterly changing their circumstances. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, I thought that yeah, was, I can see that. And, that, and that's interesting. The other, the other part of that, uh, that, um, that device is that there's so much American things going on um, that you have to view America. And again, the, the refrain of this song, um, uh, what is the song of California? Um, California Dreaming? California Dreaming, which I got so sick of, I have to say, <laughs> after an, after that movie. But um, that is a, that's a sort of um, clue, right, about the West, well, uh, America uh, specifically, which is to the east of uh, Hong Kong. Um, but um California is a, is a refrain. And then you have tons of American symbolism. Uh, all the food is American food, um, <laughs> which is nuts uh, because, you know, um, there's other great food in Hong Kong. Um, and, um, you know, the, there's Coke signs and McDonald's and all this, all these brands. And then the California Dreamin', And then, of course, Faye, who becomes a stewardess to like 
follow in the footsteps of his, the stewardess, I suppose, that he had originally fallen in love with. Um, you know, she goes to California and she stays there for a while and then comes back. Yeah, right. Um, they're, they're American, but they're like this, the simulacra of American. Like, it, yes, it is a McDonald's, but the McDonald's in Hong Kong, it's not like any McDonald's in America. Right. It's not going to serve you the, the same. It's, it's not even going to be a Royale with cheese. Yeah, it, it's 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 tweaked in a unique way. And I find, right. you know, like and it's like all of these things, like the Calif- like the American songs that are played are throughout um, or the Western songs uh, that are played throughout are then tweaked. Uh, they're either with uh, Cantonese or Mandarin yeah, language, like the the Cranberries song from Chungking Express, uh, yeah. sung in Chinese, and then uh, the whole "I'm Cool" from Fallen Angels is basically uh, karm. Well, it is Karma Coma from uh, Massive Attack. Uh, just it's that baseline just with new uh, reorchestrated. So it's like the West, but modified slightly. So it's like we get like something completely new that only has a superficial similarity uh, to uh, the West. And I thought that was uh, not Hong Kong. Not yeah. The thing. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely not Hong Kong and it's not even mainland China. It's somewhere else. It's it's something you know, else. I think is important, right? So, yeah, it's a real statement about the nature of Hong Kong. Uh, Wong Kar Wai said that the real character of uh, both these movies was the city itself, and uh, mm-hmm. Hong Kong. Well, in these movies, was not a Chinese city. It was not. A Western city. It is a it is a city populated with all sorts of simulacras of the West, but it is not a Western city. It is something uh, with no correlate uh, on the Earth. Uh, you know, it's just this. It's its own thing, and right. I found that to be truly fascinating because that's like essentially what the socio-political situation of Hong Kong in 1994-95 was. It wasn't Chinese. It wasn't British. It wasn't, it was its own thing. Uh, where, yes, the Prince of Wales had to go there in 97 and hand over the the flag to the Chinese government. But, you know, it wasn't it wasn't identified with Britain in any substantive way. Like none of like these characters, like the California nightclub was a very interesting notion of California or a nightclub for that matter. Right. You know, like, yeah, it was uh, just, just fascinating. Yeah. And, and there are, there are different, so there are different, as you mentioned, there are different, uh, Um, it's still this sort of, uh, um, you know, a little bit like Casablanca where you have uh, a crossroads of nations and a fair amount of, um, interaction among cultures. Um, 
and 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 that adds to the the mystery and intrigue of this of this you know this um flats the 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 mansions you spoke of that um are these you know kind of uh dingy small rooms um that are become so meaningful to the to the narratives of both of these movies yeah um yeah so let's uh well we've kind of danced around it but uh yeah so chunking express um which of the two stories here did you find more engaging or is that even a fair question did you uh were they both equally yeah no question about it. The second one was the more meaningful to me. Um, the The first cop, the guy, the pineapple guy, I yeah. felt was um, young and, and shallow um, and uh, naive in a way that uh, uh, kind of irritated me. After a while, he he was uh, I was I was thinking he would have been at home in a number of different of the. Um, Richard Linklater films of the nineties as well, sort of aimless and lost and naive. Um, and, and a little bit stupid actually, um, which bothered me. Um, so I, I didn't identify as, as well with him as I did with the, I think the other cop was slightly older and a bit more, um, um, a little less, uh, naive. Um, although he was certainly naive about love, um, he was more sympathetic and I thought more open, um, to his, uh, interactions with Faye, uh, than the, than our other cop. Yeah, I, I agree with, um, your assessment. I think, uh, the, the Tony Leung story, the cop, uh, six, six, three story with Faye was much more engaging. And I think the truly, uh, meatier part of Chongqing Express. Certainly the more affecting part. It, it grabbed me more. Like I, I was more yeah. I, I I was more I felt more for these characters and what was going on. Uh what I take away from the first story of uh Chongqing Express is wow, did it ever look cool? Like uh yeah. it just it, you know it's like this when I watched Chunking, this was my first encounter with uh, Wong Kar Wai. And it was like, this is something different. This is amazing. This is wow. Uh, this is uh, something new to cinema. Um, the cinematography, uh, I just uh, fell. Well, I don't. I don't know if I fell in love with it, but I was like, this is, this is extraordinary. And, uh, all the shots of, uh, the, the Bridget, Bridget Lynn, she was the woman in the blonde wig in the first part of, uh, Chunking Express. I thought that was just magnificent. Uh, all, uh, even when she was in the California bar, I thought this was, uh, really cool. Uh, and sir, so visually, I thought the only visually I was, enraptured with uh the first part of chunking express but story-wise i thought tony leung's character and the that character arc was much more complete for the second story however yeah that what that might be unfair because uh like the first story of uh chunking express cop uh two, two, three, uh, Hikui, that 
is really the prologue to Fallen Angels. Like, yeah, yeah so I got confused, but I have to say, because uh, it's the same actor. Um, it's the same actor this playing the same character. Pineapples. Is it the same character? Because I, I couldn't, I didn't, I couldn't buy that. Um, but I, I mean, I believe you, but I couldn't buy it um, in that well, in Fallen Angels. There was a lot. I okay. I said that with a bit more authority than it was warranted. Uh, my the Lozeki hypothesis is that it okay. is the same character. Uh, that it is the yeah, same really character. Really. Yeah, because and like it was the same actor. He is identified by the same name in both movies. Okay. Uh, his name in both movies is Hiqui, but that's like saying, okay, yeah, there's two characters, both both played by the same actor who both are named Robert. You know, like that's not, it's not like, oh, well, okay, absolutely. The other thing is Hiqui in Fallen Angels does reference the reason for his mutism is eating a bad can of pineapples in his youth. Um, so there's that. Yeah, and then, but his youth seems yeah. to have been yes, <laughs> just yesterday. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, like, but like, there is the pineapple connection, um, yeah. which and the then pineapple the, connection was the strongest indicator yeah. for me after the name. And then, like, he did identify before he was a prisoner. He was prisoner. Two to three, which is well in the previous in Chunking Express, the same actor with the same name is Cop Two Two Three, and right, right. you know, so and it's like confusing. So maybe he was just like the character in Fallen Angels is maybe looking back as his time as a conformist cop wearing a uniform, doing the same job during daylight hours as a sort of, as being a prisoner of the expectations of a normally functioning society. And then my, like, so it's a, his remark, oh, yes, when I was prisoner 233, he was like, ironically looking back at his past when he was well adjusted. But now he's uh, not so well adjusted um, in Fallen yeah. Angels. And uh, he's uh, essentially, well, he is one of the Fallen Angels trying to uh, strive towards the light. Um, but that's just, but I want to point out that. Uh, this is uh, my own pet theory. This wasn't Wong Kar Wai yeah. doing this, uh, like, or he, it wasn't at least, apparent. Yeah. yeah, like Wong Kar Wai didn't actually specify. Yes, okay, the cop cop two two three is uh, prisoner two two three in the second one, and but he does say that the characters are interchangeable. Uh, okay. And I can buy that. So in anthologies, you can do that. <laughs> you can have the, the characters be slightly different in a different story in the anthology and use the same actors. That's not, that's not something that's uncommon. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But I did uh, think that the second story was better, but on, let's 
Shall, shall we move to Fallen Angels? Oh, I thought we had, but yeah, okay, let's do that. <laughs> um, okay. Um, so this, I thought, was stylistically quite um, fascinating. It was a real stylistic shift um, from Chunking. So Chunking, I could take as a sort of... Um, yeah, I mean, it had some interesting cinematic flourishes, but nothing like you get in Fallen Angels, where they've gone into a a totally different style of filmmaking. The and I thought maybe the connection you made between Fallen Angels and Brazil was the wide angle lens, which uh, predominates in in Fallen Angels, um, and and just you know takes this city which is already full of things to see and scrunches it again in this sort of hyper reality um that makes again that accentuates this sense of alienation especially because much of the film is shot at night and um and the use of wide angle lens and night scenes in a brightly lit city um does a lot to isolate the the focus of the camera from the rest of the world Yes. Uh, well, that's great that you saw the connection with the wide angle lens. Mine was actually so much my in my head, the connection was so much more simple. Uh, okay. there, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So we'll just go with what you said, because it sounds way smarter than what I was thinking. OK, <laughs> this is just another layer, man. Yeah. 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 yeah that's brilliant, David. Uh, thanks for coming up with that. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so uh, this uh, Fallen Angels. Uh, well, let's uh, the cast. Um, Leon Lei is uh, Wang Qiming, the hitman who we're, we're introduced to in the first scene. Uh, the first, literally the first sequence of the movie. Uh, Michelle Ray is uh, the hitman's agent assistant, which that first shot I just found uh that's fascinating you know it's like yeah, are, are we still partners uh and then how that develops it's like and you find out that they've been partners for 155 days uh which is just i thought that was so cool i thought um and the way it was shot in this grainy sort of thing with uh, well, the the grainy film stock, and then how it gives away immediately to uh, profound action, and then um, then uh, the other characters. Uh, well, then we have uh, Toshiki Kaneshiro uh, playing uh, the mute um, ex-convict, or uh, according well. By my hypothesis, uh, yeah, the 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 cop from the previous movie. Uh, I thought he would. I thought in this movie he really shone. Uh, he cracked me up. He was brilliant. This this was a great work of acting. And you know, in the previous one in Chunking Express, I I really wanted him to shut up because he wouldn't stop talking. Yeah, it was a real um, character development for him. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and, and I thought he did shine in his role as this mute um, and then did it wonderfully. It was just a, a fantastic role. Yeah. Um, what, 
to me, the the funniest was like his whole scam of like, yes, he thought of of himself as a businessman because he broke into businesses late after they were closed and sold and forcibly sold people services, goods and services. Right? Yes, it was wonderful. Yeah, he's, he's inhabiting this. And I, I thought of the again, I thought of the movie After Hours uh, because you know, what goes on in these weird times of the night in a city like Hong Kong? Well, there's people out there and most of them are crazy, right? Who are coming up to his, these stalls, he's hijacked, he's pirating yeah. Uh, yeah. services there. Yeah. Uh, have you ever, have you ever been in a night market in Asia? I, I have, yes. Yeah. Um, so I've been in both Shanghai and in Hong Kong um, and they are, bustling at all hours actually um there's always something to buy and uh something to eat actually yeah and it's because they're late at night uh and i think everybody there is uh significantly sleep deprived they do have this hallucinogenic or this hallucinatory feel to them all like it mm-hmm. is uh, a world I think that I that that is without parallel. Like, you know, like it's brightly lit with like enough like enough lux to be day, but there is no sun. Um everybody is active, even though and it but it's this amphetamine caffeine activeness um that you know it's not uh the activeness of somebody fully awake and well well adjusted and i thought um that uh kanashiro's uh character in this in fallen angels really encapsulated that brilliantly like just like <laughs> hijacking <laughs> hijacking the ice cream truck and forcing the whole family to eat the ice cream <laughs> even though it was, they- it was fantastic and and he becomes like a um so he's a he's a delightful character he's he's a um and he he means no one any harm he's just kind of enjoying his life as a late night um food cart pirate um and, and bringing food and joy and also taking him down for cash <laughs> in this dark otherwise uh, lonely uh, night of Hong Kong. It's, it's, it's quite, it's quite a great character. And I thought that carried much of that film actually. Yeah. Um, I, which I don't know if you saw the trailer to this, to fallen angels beforehand, but you watch the trailer and you think that the hitman, uh, Leon Lay's character is going to be, uh, who plays, uh, Wong Qingming or Qingming, uh, the hitman, you from the trailer, you think that he is going to be the star. You think that he is going right. to be the protagonist, and like the hitman does figure throughout or a good portion of this movie. But to me, he is uh, the least of its elements. Like uh, those scenes where he is uh, on his killings or doing his job uh, are extraordinarily shot. Uh, well, like there, there's a level of violence, cinematic violence, aesthetic violence that uh, 
like people like uh, Tarantino could only dream of getting somewhere close to in their best day. Um, you know, like this is just next level, next level cinematography. This is, this is, by then, this is a, a standard um, for Hong Kong cin- cinema. You have these, I guess, I mean, there's already been for some time this um, pretty uh, vibrant scene of, um, of, uh, Hong Kong crime movie. I watching Fallen Angels, and it's not that I don't like those films; they're good. They're, I mean, there's a t- sort of you get some great talents out of them, and there's always some kung fu and other sorts of things. Also, you know, um, in China they were making some, but not as not as successfully as Hong Kong. Um, and it turns out to be so, something totally different, which I thought was refreshing, and I thought. Um, it, it had, uh, an aesthetic of, you know, I'm, uh, I'm an old school new wave fan and it had this sort of new wave aesthetic of kind of, um, a retro, um, a Ray-Ban, uh, shades at night, um, grunge, um, and the, the, even the cinematography, um, captured some of that. Yeah, it's like, yeah, totally. When I, uh, with Fallen Angels particularly, because this was stylistically much, uh, um, it was totally uh, different. Yeah, what was uh, going on in Chungking Express, except maybe on steroids or, or cocaine. Um, but it was like, yeah, like it was, it reminded me of like, oh, well, if Godard was making the, his 1960s movies in Hong Kong in tw- in uh, the late 20th century, they might look something like this. Uh, I just, yeah, like there was such a new wave vibe to it with uh, the colors, uh, with the constantly moving cameras, the costumes. Uh, it was just exceptional. Um, it was a very active camera. Yeah. Yeah. And it did have the sort of, um, it had a kind of, it starts with this thing with the, the, uh, what's her name? The one with the luggage, she's trying to smuggle stuff. And the, is it the Indian, um, Indians who were helping her take off with the stuff, right? Yes, uh, that was uh, Bridget Lynn's character in uh, Chunking Express. Yes, uh, she oh, was the woman so, in the yeah, and that kind of, yeah, yeah, and that that was so from Chunking. That was the that sort of carries over into the vibe. So I thought Chunking was going to be about that sort of you know movie because uh, I'd read about Fallen Angels, and then it doesn't. It turns into these love stories, and then we're back to in Fallen Angels this uh, kind of underworld stuff that's going on. Right. Uh, yeah, it was like, yeah. And it gets dark in uh, Fallen yeah. Angels. Yeah, like these like even uh, like uh, Karen Mock, uh, who played uh, Huiling, uh Blondie in Fallen Angels, the prostitute. Uh, she was a wild, wildly damaged character, like. And uh, that was dark, I found. Um, uh, she did an extraordinary job. Uh, but then also what happened to the hitman's agent, uh, Michelle Ray, 
So basically right. the hitman, like she falls in love with the hitman. Uh, he doesn't, he ends it with her because he's maybe falling in love with her uh, or he's just right. upset with the banality of his life as a hitman um, and he wants out. Uh, we're not sure. But anyway, she takes that really hard and basically arranges for his own death. Um, right. And then after that, in the f- subsequent scenes, like she goes from this glamorous character, uh, glamorously dressed character to uh, basically somebody on uh, one, somebody who's just finished writing five back to back final exams, um, essentially, <laughs> you know, like eating noodles uh, late at night, uh, all messed up, <laughs> you know, that's where she essentially goes to um and i thought her character arc was uh really dark um what happens with uh the the per uh, Te- uh character the mute uh he he goes to uh, like in that same scene where uh, karen mock is eating the noodles he gets one of his schemes goes awry and he gets beaten within like a couple inches of his life um you know like it gets like this movie does go to some really really dark places in fact the only moment of true levity is uh when uh kanashiro's character and uh karen mock's character are on the bike at the very end escaping hong kong Like, uh, in two, it was also, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was definitely, I'm glad he, he split these movies up because it would have, would have been a strange anthology to, to end with this, um, in a, in a, you know, the th- three stories tacked together. This stands alone on a, and I think has a totally different, um, uh, uh atmosphere to it, but it does have the same theme. So the, the hitman, and his agent who are, you know, again, they're inhabiting spaces at different times, mostly. She's going to his bar, the bar where he hangs out when he's not there, so that she can feel his presence. And they're sort of sending each other. He sends her messages through the jukebox, uh, basically. And again, they're they're profoundly lonely. She spends most of her time in this grungy little um room where she's um getting her instructions to give to the hitman um and she's she's got a lot more depth to her i think she's also a prostitute actually um and but she's she's starting to get feelings for for him um from afar again it's a their their relationship is this professional relationship but and and they're both very lonely um we don't have the we don't know much about their um, whether they've had successful romantic relationships in the past, um, but they're they're trying to bridge this gap. They're trying to, um, and and but they can't because of the nature of their business. So it's tragic, um, and and I thought quite beautiful. Absolutely, um, Karen Mock's character, the hitman's uh, assistant agent, 
she's very similar to Bridget to uh, Bridget Lim's character in Bridget Lynn's character in the first one, uh, sort of this peripheral figure uh, of the underworld. Like uh, Bridget Lynn was basically the organizer of a bunch of drug mules who in Chungking Express, who ends up killing uh, the person who set her up with the drug mules. There's that one quick shot in uh, Chungking Express. And uh, then we go to uh, Mock's character in Fallen Angels. And you can see these two as certainly inhabiting a similar sort of... uh, space uh respective to their worlds um basically as agents who attempt to assert their own autonomy in some ways but come from very mercurial places um yeah um so i thought that was interesting uh what do you what do you think of uh the character of charlie who we should mention i suppose in uh, Fallen Angels. Uh, this was, uh, who was, uh, I forget. Uh, that was actually played by Charlie Jung. Uh, this car- this woman who is at least as damaged as Cop 223 is uh, in this movie, mentally. Uh, she, she um, yeah, she's, she's um, not stable. Uh, she is either looting about this relationship with the hitman or um we don't know if it's real what she's saying about their past it doesn't seem like it it seems like it's uh, some sort of lark um or maybe she's delusional about it she is fragile uh in some way uh and as you said quite damaged um and and you know uh i i thought um it was also tragic how um the the mute guy um ends up you know sort of trying to help her and it, it is correct he was trying to help her at some point yeah the, um and and then you know nothing develops between them and they both are again they're both totally they're separate uh and she's again she's nostalgic for something that either is totally fabricated um, or that, you know, just to the other person. Um, and, and again, I felt that was yeah tragic and sad and lonely and a sort of, um, commentary, uh, uh, on loneliness in the big city, uh, essentially. And this is a story that's, I think, true for, um, you know, anybody living in, in big cities and in large metropolises these days, um, but also sort of in general now because of technology. Absolutely. Uh, yes. And like that, when uh, uh, Kenashiro's character, uh, Hochimo, is uh, trying to help uh, Charlie's character, they're doing basically that as a he's also helping himself. This is when he tries to reform himself. This is that arc in the movie where he tries to uh, make himself to normalize himself. uh, We shall say. 
and uh, they, he takes her on the exact bike ride that is uh, that is echoed in the penultimate sequence of this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Like it's a it's the same it's the same tunnel, uh, and that yeah. is that is the harbor tunnel leading out of Hong Kong. Okay. Uh, so there. Yes. Uh, well, no, yeah. no. Yeah, I think it, maybe it's anyway, it's leading out of Hong Kong. Okay. And basically, this is what is so he's trying to escape the city. He's trying to transcend his facticity with her. Uh, this, however, because they're both so damaged, but maybe in this particular relationship, she's damaged in a way which actually destroys the relationship. It doesn't work. Next time he sees her, she is dressed up as a flight attendant. And she is not, yeah, yeah, she is not recognizing, she is not acknowledging him at all. And she has escaped the psychotic alienation of, uh, the lived circumstance of the Chungking apartments or the Chungking mansions. So I found that to be really lost his father. Right. And at the same, yeah. And he, he's now totally alone. Right. And I just found that very, very sad. Um, He didn't respond. He didn't respond in a way that I felt was that he was going to be okay. I didn't think. Oh no, he was was a wreck. Yeah, he wasn't going to be okay, and that that I found a, and then you know it wraps up with the the headman and the back where we started at the beginning of the movie with the headman and his agent, who again they're not going to be able to connect. Absolutely, and like I found I found those shots about with uh, uh, Kanashiro's character, uh, the mute. Uh, when when he was filming his father like oh my god this was like these were some of the most beautiful shots of a movie full of beautiful shots these were some of the mm-hmm. most affecting moments of this uh, this uh film which i wish i thought of this when i was thinking of uh when we were watching until the end of the world were very reminiscent uh-huh. of that, you know. It's like, oh uh, yes, yeah. the the beautiful the beauty of cinema and its capacities, the capacity of the moving image to unify people. Uh, right. You know, yeah, and it's a, it's a very um, intimate um, where the where the character using video instead of mm-hmm. film, yeah, um, is able to capture something um and in a in a in a much more intimate way so actually that was probably the most intimate scene in in all of, in in all of the film uh fallen angels the, the this uh, this sort of unrequited um um completion of the father son uh relationship and then he it's it sort of just um it, it, it's all gone by the time the father's gone and all he has left is this is this video right and then like 
Yeah, and I quite agree with you. Uh, when the father goes, you get no sense that this guy's going to be okay. He's yeah. not. Uh, far be it for me to tell somebody how to pro- uh, process grief, but uh, how this guy was processing grief was uh, did not seem to be very healthy. Uh, it seemed that it was going to end his character badly. And it does like his character ends up going back to, uh, pulling his old stunts and except in a far more dangerous way, like, uh, the, the man who's, uh, gets his haircut, um, who's forcibly getting his haircut, um, before like earlier on, uh, it is just having his hair washed. Uh, that's all it is. And, uh, it's sort of, it is, it does have this nature of an aggressive game, but nonetheless a game, a play, uh, where nobody's coming out of this worse for wear. Sure. He's the guy who's getting his hair washed is a, a bit inconvenienced and short a few bucks, but he also has clean hair. Um, and, and at the end, the last time this happens, it's behind closed doors. And all we hear is What's that man. Thing? All we hear is that man screaming out wow. in agony. Was this, was he merely getting his haircut or was he getting killed? I don't know. No one does. Next time we see Charlie or I'm not Charlie, uh, the mute, he's getting beaten within an inch of his life by people who are extremely pissed at him. Um, I like this. And then the only redemption that this, the only glimmer of redemption of this character is in that sequence where he's riding out of Hong Kong yet again with the hitman's, uh, the hitman's ex agent, uh, because the hitman's dead now, uh, in the final shot. And this is, this is very Blade Runner esque. This is the only moment we see daylight in this whole movie. It's at that very end, you know, where there was no Rudger Hauer speech, but this was the only redemption to these fallen angels. Uh, And I thought that was, it filled me with hope, but uh, uh, yeah, I, that I was also like, it was, yeah, I don't. It was more of a downer, though. Much more of a downer than the end of Chunking. Um, uh, oh yes. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's why, again, it should stand on its own as its own movie. That was the right choice. Because uh, mm-hmm. I thought Chunking Express ended on just the right note. Yeah. Yes. But so, I wanted to thank you because these are these are fantastic films. So you you want to tell me your favorite um, scene and your least favorite scene in the two? Oh, wow. Uh, Like these films are so amazingly beautiful. Okay, Um, so treating them as uh, separate films uh, in uh, Chunking. uh, Favorite scene is. uh, Actually, the scenes with uh, Charlie early on uh, when she's in the airport, uh, just wandering through it. She had this, it just looked amazing to me. Uh, so that's from Chung King, favorite scene. From Fallen Angels, uh, it's uh, much more easy to pick out, even though it wasn't 
let's say the story was not about the hitman. Uh, he was an incidental part. Uh, I thought uh, the the hitman's first assassination uh, in the restaurant was just amazingly done. Like the camera work there, uh, the massive attack esque music. Uh, the was just it all worked for me, and I was just like blown away. Uh, these were my yeah. two favorite shots. Uh, least favorite shot? I don't, uh, you know. No, I don't like yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are these are these are fantastic films uh, um, that really. Um, and I, I'm going to have to now look up some other works by this director because um, I was happy that you. Um, I was quite pleased that you introduced him to me. For me, um, from Chunking Express, um, I I'm a sap for the the um, the love uh, story, and I thought her um, flitting around his apartment, uh, doing things like bringing fish, and uh, just in the daylight, in the in the you know sort of happiness, and all I can say is she she felt like this pixie fairy, um, flitting into the into this apartment and fixing his apartment up. I thought that was wonderful, just moving stuff. Um, and in um, uh, Fallen Angels, I'm a sucker for the noir stuff. Uh, her sitting in that bar um, at night smoking and um, putting quarters in the jukebox, um, I just thought, again, was um, beautiful and moving. And, um, you know, it, it, there's so many different homages in there to other noir films, but it was it was so well done and and really said it um, made it made it clear that this director really cares about um, the image. Absolutely, David. Yeah, like um, that uh, that the jukebox scenes. Yeah, so good of you to mention those. Like that was so. Uh... David Lynch, Twin Peaks yes, sort of action. Exactly. Yeah, you know, that's, like it was, that's, what I, that's what I was thinking of. David, David yeah. Lynch. I'm not surprised yeah. you mentioned. Yeah, and it was incredible. Uh, yeah, uh, other good films by him. If you ever get a chance, uh, well, I don't think Wong Kar Wai's made a bad film. Uh, I think he's a brilliant director. But uh, The Grandmaster is also. Uh, really good all as well as the mood in the mood for love uh both of these are uh landmarks in at least in my mind uh yeah so uh yeah but anyway uh so what now the moment what is going to be your next uh viewing ghost dog the way of the samurai by jim jarmusch Wow, that's awesome! Great, I love drama. That, that's so cool. Uh, all right, and, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna regale you with my story next time of meeting Jim Jarmusch in Rome uh, during the premiere of that film. You met Jim Man. Yes. <laughs> man. Not today. I'm gonna tell. Time. It's a story okay. for next time. Oh, do we just want to do uh, one, or do we want to do two? Oh, did you have one to add? No, well, uh, like everything Jarmusch does, I love. So, like, Let's uh, do coffee and cigarettes too. Okay, yeah. <laughs> if we're going to do a double header, I like I like coffee and cigarettes, and it's also an anthology. So, 
Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. And Tom Waits. Great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This will be awesome. <laughs> okay. Super awesome. duper cool. Thank you so much, Dave.